for your giving. God bless you. And um, I want to invite you to uh, prayer class this evening. There has been such a, uh, this past couple of days, there's been such a drawing of the Spirit of the Lord. It's, you know, He's always with us and we pray, or we're supposed to be praying without ceasing. But there, uh, there was just such a, it's like a, how do you describe it? It's like a pull. It's like a magnet that's just drawing I just from my testimony, the deeper places in me, and it feels it feels good and it feels uneasy at the same time. And I think that um, that's uh, indicative of the Father expanding uh, those capacities that He put in us before the foundation of the world. But it's also indicative of what is coming, what's what the demand that's being put upon us. And um, so I, I want to encourage you. I, I was very grateful for what Kelly reported about uh, visitation upon one of the worship members. Um, but I believe that God is making himself known to so many of you. And don't, um, don't discount it. Don't think it's an anomaly. Just really embrace him. And uh, I, I know that God will reward you. Of course, that in itself is a reward. But um, be, be very conscious of his draw and his voice. Um, but tonight in prayer class, we're going to be talking a bit. Well, in fact, it's not going to be just a bit. It's going to be about the upcoming journey of ministry to Brazil. Um, and, um, in fact, we're going to be asking for our congregation to, to really uh, in, commit to a season of prayer every day for God to do what he wants to do in that, in that nation, but also in the expansion throughout all of South America, which is happening. Um, I, I know... You know, last night I got a word from Yowali, who's down in Sao Paulo now, and he was at a, another one of the water baptisms that's being held out out in, in the street of this major city. And um, next Sunday morning, um, the team that's going to be there in Sao Paulo is going to be out at this site uh, praying uh, over the place, praying over the ministers and whoever all's out there. I don't know what all's going to happen, but that'll be next Sunday morning. Um, but we we really do, as uh, Saints Network and as this body of saints here, have a uh, commissioning from God. And uh, we we really, I feel, this is the third time for me to be there, but um, I really do feel that this is uh, this is this trip and the expansion that's happening in into other parts of Brazil is um, is really needing to be bathed in in partnership of intercession. So uh, tonight we'll we'll be focusing somewhat on that, 
and uh, then we'll be praying. But I, I encourage you to, uh, to be sensitive to the Spirit in a, in a way that is, uh, that is uniquely yours. And God's going to demand different things from all of us as individuals. And we shouldn't, as sons, have to have a, a big group effort as, as, as a communal effort, which is very nice at times. But we're on call as individuals all the time. And God relies upon you as his sons and his partners. So let's, let's be sensitive to that. Uh, I, I join with Pastor Fabian in thanking all of you for your faithfulness during the times of ministry in our most recently completed seminar. Um, it truly was a blessing. I was so blessed last week by Pastor Levester and uh, the Jones family. Uh, what a blessing that was. Uh, I had the privilege of speaking with Pastor Levester about uh, the contact that the Lord made in Brazil, uh, no, in Ethiopia, and um, nothing has been set in motion yet as far as actually scheduling a journey there for him, but um, those contacts are made and the invitations have been made, and apparently these are about 700 churches in Ethiopia represented by this ministry. So there's just a lot of things that the Lord is doing. And um, I, I cannot stress enough how important your agreement and your prayers are uh, for, for the Lord to, to, you know, he looks for an intercessor. Some people beg out and they say, well, God wants to do that. He's going to do it anyway, whether I pray or not. And that's just, it's kind of a narrow way of looking at a partnership with God because God looks for an intercessory partner. He looks for those that will cry unto him and call upon him. Uh, he could just do it all himself. Of course, he's God. But that's not the pattern in Scripture. He always looks for a partner. His eyes are always searching. And um, we can see that uh, manifestation of how God moves opening up throughout this nation and the nations of the world. And it's, it is, to say it's burgeoning and growing would be an understatement. But with that comes, to whom much is given, much is required. And with that comes this intercessory partnership, and it's being drawn, it's being drawn in new ways out of your spirit. So, be very sensitive to that. And I thank you, thank you very much for it. Um, the um, we'll talk about this a little more tonight, but I'll be sending out an email to all of you reminding you of uh, our strong desire to partner with you in prayer. We'll be sending something out to the network as well. Um, but, um, you know, this is, this is truly a, a network outreach, as have been the other journeys that have been taken. You know, when we first started to go, it primarily came out of this house. And that was fine. But then we started to 
feel the, the burden of the Lord to begin to integrate um, this house with other houses of the saints, not only ministry during the seminar, but ministries on on journeys. And, um, you know, it's been such a blessing to be able to walk with our brothers and sisters in that way and following the leading of the Lord. But um, from, um, from day one, we knew that God was going to open the nations, and he is doing it now in a broader way than, um, than we've ever known. And so with that comes expanded responsibility, and I thank you for being willing to do that. Would you turn in your Bibles today to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8? I don't know what kind of anointing God poured out on the Apostle Paul before he wrote this chapter, but it is, it is a phenomenal work. It covers so many it, just amazing things that the Spirit says through him. But today we want to talk about the, um, the spirit of adoption. And um, I, I just am grateful for the way the Spirit leads us. Uh, he expands in a line-upon-line line fashion, here a little, there a little, precept upon precept. That's out of Isaiah 28. But um, we've talked in so many different ways about this concept of the spirit of truth and God bringing us into his family. And we've talked about, um, most recently, we've talked about several of these verses, like verse 16 of Romans 8, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him. Uh, we've, we've talked about that. We're going to read that here again. But it seems one of the things that the Spirit of God does, which is just phenomenal, it's, it's absolutely astounding to me. God is so mighty, but the way he gives us truth, partners with us, allows us to grow while being used by him in really precise ways, and then he revisits a topic and the way he teaches us something new and fresh um, is based upon his promotion and, and how he is giving us a further empowerment to serve him. And, and it's, it's not that we didn't see it the first time. It's not that, oh, I don't know how I didn't see that. It's as if he, we are not able to see it until we've walked the pathway with him. That's, that's what the spirit of truth guiding us into truth. I mean, if you go on a hike, you're not going to see the waterfall until you first see this and this and this, even though that's your objective. You know, oh, where are you going today? Oh, I'm going to go up and see whatever waterfall you're going. I've seen pictures of it. I know it's there. You know, I have faith that it's still there. But you, you, don't, you don't utilize certain skill sets in your hiking until you get to that part of the terrain that where it's needed. And that's kind of a, a, a thumbnail sketch of how God leads us in the walk of faith. He, he shows us what we need to know, and at that point, it is complete. 
and then he opens up new horizons because of uh, his timetable, his pathway, and how we've walked with him and what we've learned in him. And then all of those things combine that only God could judge and coordinate. And then he allows you to see something new and fresh built upon what you've learned and experienced in him. And, and, and a lot of it is a, is it's not just understanding, even though that's critical, but with the word comes promotion. With the word comes a release of heightened authority and, and an appreciation of the concept that he's trying to show you that then releases a new capacity in you that's been in you, but that he chose at this point to cause it to grow and to manifest itself. And then that is needed for where he's led you. And uh, that, that new place demands that from you. And, but only God can coordinate all that. O only God could do that. You can't, you, you know, I, I've went through a number of years of education, and um, regardless of what it looks like on Sunday mornings a lot of times, but, you know, you come out of school and you, you really, you know things, but you really don't know anything. You think you know anything, everything, but you don't. And you, you start putting into practice the things you've learned and you recognize, oh, that's how that works. Oh, look at that. Well, oh, yeah, I see. Experience and use helps to shine the light on the things that were only in the book or that you heard a dry professor speak. And, um, you know, most, most of my professors were kind of dry, but I don't know if that was the case for you or not. But, you know, the point, though, is, is that you, in your understanding, you go by a curriculum and you, you follow the pathway to earn this degree or that degree or this degree, and that's all well laid out. But only God could do what he's doing with the breathing fresh insight out of his word. Only God could combine that with his timetable and where, where you are in your development in walking with him. Only God could layer the revelation to where every section is complete and functional, but then he gives you something more, and it, it not only invigorates you, it inspires and enlightens you, but it also prepares you, and it, it, it doesn't really have merit in function until you're in that place with him. So all those factors work together for good, and only God could do that. So as many times as we have looked at Romans 8, with the plethora of insights and dynamic principles and uh, the wonderful things that have been taught by the spirit of this concept and that concept, only God can go back in and say, okay, now I want to I highlight this. And the reason I want to highlight it is because you are... Um, you as as a saint's body are moving into this now and you can you can more fully appreciate it because of 
where I've brought you, but it's also highlighting something that I'm going to access in a new way. So it all has to be founded on the word. So here it is. Only God can do that. And I, I'm so increasingly mystified by the miraculous way that he does that. I mean, it's just, it's an incredible thing. I've never understood people that don't love the word. I mean, David spoke about it. I, I've never understood that. Um, because it's, it's like, it is the living word. He is the living word, but it's your closest, it's your closest friend. It's the word of God to you. It's, it's the, it's the expression. It's the way he keeps communicating to us. Uh, and it, 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 it's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. So, and I will say this, I, I had another message as of last night, and Monica mentioned the verses this morning about the this, this spirit that raised Christ, the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, quickening your mortal body, and then flesh prophets, prophets nothing, but it's the spirit. And, and I, I felt, God, you're going to start igniting miracles out of this spirit um, that dwells in us, which is God. And, um, you know, and I, I thought about it. I'm not going to preach that. I said I wasn't. This is the message. We're going to go into the message that the Lord wants. But um, I do believe that he was talking very profoundly about the types of resurrection power and miracles that are going to begin to come. And you think about it. Jesus gave up the ghost when he, when he was crucified, when he died. The Bible says that. He gave up the ghost. And then he descended into the lower parts of the earth. David speaks about how if I lift up my soul in hell, you're, you're there. So it's, it's the soul of man and the memories and all of those things are what you come out of. But then when Jesus rose, it says that the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead Somehow that spirit was back at that point, and it was as if the spirit of the spirit of man, the spirit of God within Jesus, was taken unlawfully, and um, that was really a big part of what went on there in his sinless walk, um, because the work was not even though it is finished, the sacrifice for us and for the world, what the empowerment. I'm not going to preach this, but, uh, but there's there's something about the spirit of God within us that holds that key to resurrection power. There's there's something about what God has put in you, um, what he, what He's put in you from the foundation of the world that is born again when you accept Jesus. There's an empowerment in that timetable. That, that has the power of the resurrection in it. And um, it, it overcomes the mortal body. It overcomes the flesh. It overcomes all the works of the enemy that wrongfully persecuted and killed Jesus. But, but that deposit of the Spirit is, is there. And I, I proclaim over every one of us that as we enter into this new season, 
that that spirit of God, that resurrection power within, will also quicken your mortal body. I remember one time, uh, I'll be gone for the next two Sundays, so maybe it's good for you to get a couple more sermons in here. I don't know. But I remember one time I was on a trip with the pastor that I had at that time. He was from Wales, Welshman. And we went, uh, we went and ministered. I, I was a part of a small singing group, and we went and ministered throughout England and Scotland and Wales. And uh, when we went into Wales, there was uh, there was a lot of people that were still living. They were old at that point who'd been part of the Welsh revival with Evan Roberts. And there was uh, a house that I stayed in in Wales, and uh, the old great-grandpa was part of that early move of God. And he would, he would come to life, and he would talk about what was happening uh, in, on the streets and when God's Spirit was moving, and he would break into this song that came out of the Welsh Revival. And I know we sang it at my church when I was growing up, and I, I'm sure it was sung in other places, but it came out of the Welsh Revival. And the main song of the Welsh Revival was, If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal body. And that he said that's what the people went around the streets. Uh, they would sing that song because it was the Scripture, and they knew they knew that the power that, that, that erupted out of those intercessors came out of that spirit within. And so they took that verse and they sang it. It was the theme song of the Welsh Revival. And it was just a blessing to hear this very elderly man. He would come to life singing that song. And um, so I, I released that to us. But today... Uh, I want us to read Romans 8, verses 14 through 23. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now, not only they, but also ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. And he goes on. But I wanted to focus on this particular theme today that speaks about us having received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, when Paul wrote 
and use this word uh, that is translated as adoption, I, I have to tell you that this is one of the things I appreciate about Paul because this was not a normal word. He, it was used five times in the New Testament, but it was not a word that was used in the ancient literature. Uh, it, it, in some ways, was a combination word, dare I say a coined word, and you can look that up. Now, if you see in Strong's, it's going to tell you it's, it's huiothesia. You're going to see that. You're going to think, oh, it's just one of the regular words. But if you look and study about it, you'll find out that this is not the normal word used in Rome or in the Hellenistic society that described adoption. It's not the normal word. And there, there was another main word that was used if somebody adopted a child. And that was a word that was well known. And uh, this is not that word. And the, the beauty of this word that Paul uses, as I said, it's used five times in the New Testament, is it's a combination of huios, which is son, and the word that thesia, which comes from to theme. So essentially what Paul was saying here, the spirit of adoption, is that you are a called to be a son that is fulfilling the tetheme of God for your life. The, the seed that he sowed in you. The ordination, what he called you to be. And the spirit of adoption, according to this rather unique word, that Paul used is that it's not just that you're a child of God. That's, that was stated in other places. You, it speaks of you being a child. It speaks of you already being in the family. It speaks of you being, um, you know, when you're born again, you know, your sins are washed away and you are, um, you are someone that is counted in the family of God. This word speaks to people who are already in the family stating that you are called by God to be a son who fulfills the thetheme of God over your life. And it continues by saying, whereby you cry unto the Father, Abba. You are asking God. Remember when we studied about what Abba means. It's not, it's, it's so colorfully utilized. It's not, you know, crawling up and saying, Daddy. It's, it's saying, I want to be so close to you that what you want to do in the, in the utmost dimension, I want to do it. It's from the first word in the Hebrew. It's I want to fulfill the first things. I want to fill the priority thing. I want to fulfill that. I want to be so close to you that you trust me, you entrust me with that responsibility. I don't want to just be known as somebody that hangs around in the house or who does a task every now and then. And the people say once, you know, they're, yeah, they're a good person, but they're never really around when you need them. Every now and then they come on like a flash. But I want to be that one that cries, Abba, Father, let me do this. And to be that, you have a spirit of adoption. It's not, it's not a spirit of fear. It's not a spirit of... Uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You are so, and that's what Romans 8 says, you are so firmly committed to fulfilling as a son what he has called you to be in that tetheme 
that you are continually crying, Abba, Father. You know, I, I want every part of this, this identity that you have foreseen in me to be fulfilled. I don't want to fail in any way as a son. I want to be a trustworthy son. So the spirit of adoption, by virtue of the word that, that Paul uses here, is not just bringing you into the family. We've, most of the church say that, and that's fine. That, that's fine. I'm not going to contest, you know, what people get warmed by. But for sons, we need to know that Paul basically formed this word. <clears throat> and I, I love it that he coined the word, much to the chagrin of those who study other words. Say, that's not a word. I'm sure there was somebody that said, Paul, that, that's not really a word. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, he's saying, you're, you're going to come before the Father and you're going to call out Abba. And remember when we wrote and studied about Abba, we recognized that in the Old Testament it was used a lot, but it was usually used for those that were, were not really doing that work. And, and God looks for someone that will embrace the precision of partnership with him. And so to, to call to the Father, yes, I want to do that, through the spirit of sonship that has applied you to the work of the kingdom is a wonderful thing. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, where this word is used again. Um, in fact, I think it would be good for us to just read the first uh, five verses of Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy or saintly and without blame before him in his agape, having predestinated us unto, here's the word, the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself predestined us. Verse 4, um, we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world to fulfill a saintly calling and to be without blame before him in our pursuit of his agape. And then he says that um, through Jesus Christ, uh, we've been brought to the Father and we've been predestinated to this adoption to be a son that fulfills the tetheme of our God. That is a wonderful thing. And, and you see this, you, you see that whole concept that I, that I spoke just 
spoke about, the de defining of this word, that it is you being a son, according to Romans 8, who wants to fulfill the tethemi of God in your life, and you are continually going before the Father, and you're crying, Abba, that I would fulfill what it is that you want to do, the first fruits of what you want to do, the first things. And then here Paul revisits it in Ephesians, and he says that he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we would be walking in a saintly walk, and that we would not miss any of the parts of what it means to breathe hard after him in agape, and that, that we were predestinated, predestinated with this calling of sonship to fulfill the specific tetheme that God has put within us. Now again, this is building on concepts that over the past year God has really impressed. The tetheme, uh, the only thing that most Christians, that I, the only thing I knew for many, many decades about the tithe was from a financial standpoint. And I would deduce that the tithe um, is 10%. And so whatever I would make, I would do that math because 10%, even for somebody, everybody can figure 10%, you know. You know, if it was 13%, that'd be a little bit, most Christians would never make that. They're not sharp enough on math skills. Or if even if it was 9%, you know, we got a sale this week. Tithe is only 6%. Um, <laughs> but the only thing I knew about it was the 10%. And that was drilled into me like every good Christian boy and girl. Uh, any amount of money that I made, I would give 10%. And I never really had an allowance. Uh, I guess we were too poor to have that. But um, if I made a dollar... Or if one of the old, well, I say it, one of the dear saints at the church would give me a dollar, which there was a there was a really elderly lady who was from the Sudan, and she was in our church, and she uh, her name was Juba, and Juba would always give me a fifty cent piece on Sunday morning. Now that's not why I went over to her. It wasn't. After the first couple times, I, I admit that I wondered, is Juba going to come through again next week? You know, the little kids think that way. But I knew that I had to give five cents of that to the church. And, and one time Juba said to me, are you going to, she had a really unique, you know, those English African accents. And she just liked talking to me. I don't know why. But she said, are you going to tithe on that? And I said, yes. She said, how do you tithe on that? And I said, I wait until I get a dollar, and I tithe off my dollars. And she said, okay. So she gave me another 50-cent piece, and she gave me a dime. She said, here is a tithe for that. And I said, well, I'm going to have to give 11 cents. <laughs> Imagine a seven- or eight-year-old kid having those kinds of conversations. I must have been a nutty boy. But anyway, that's all I knew, you know, whatever, however I got money, um, I would tithe. And that's the only thing I knew about tithe was that you based whatever you got, uh, however you got it, and you gave that. 
and we, you know, all kinds of sermons about that, you know. Malachi 3 was emblazoned on my, on my head. I didn't want to be just, I didn't want to be destroyed by the devourer, you know. So I wanted to, I had to say that was the motivation. <laughs> so I had two motivations. I better tithe. And when I came up for communion, I better have con confessed everything that I possibly did wrong in my young life. I was too young to have knocked over the Piggly Wiggly yet, but, you know, all those things that I did to irritate my sister, I had to get that right because God could fry me if I ate unworthily. You know, I would think those two things. What a thing. But it kept me in line in some ways. Sometimes that line curved out a little bit, but it kept me in line. But... The whole concept of what the tithe really is escaped me. And the tithe in the Bible, and I'm only mentioning this because of the, the, the heart of what this word of the spirit of adoption means. The tithe is sowing forward. The, the tetheme in the New Testament was used to describe how you ordained somebody who was beginning in ministry. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he, he, he gave, he tethemed the fivefold gifts into the church at the beginning of the church, at the birth of the church. The Father did because of Jesus' ascension and his victory. And, and it goes on that the tithe is really a sowing forth. And I would dare say that first fruits is another dimension that goes alongside the tithe. And... Um, we should be a proactive tithing person, but also a first fruits person. Because at the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Beginning is first fruits. And God was again sowing his first fruits into what he wanted the world to be and what he subsequently wanted us to be. So God always does, it would seem to me that the tithe is just common sense. It's common divine principle. You sow that forward. But the first fruits is a way that God comes alongside and inspires you as to whether you are willing to go in, in, in a little bit deeper with him. And first fruits generate a different kind of response. The tithe generates a building upon and blessing. The first fruits generates a welcoming of the nuach the welcoming of that spirit of God around you to where when first fruits were given, the enemy recognized from a distance that you belonged to God and that they, the Bible says that they shook us in terror. And um, I, I, I think that both of those are divine economy and both of those have to be registered as giving forward. Now, too much... Uh, too much mentality in the church, as I mentioned, how I was trained, and it was a good way. I'm not faulting that, but I I didn't really look proactively. I was looking back, and then I, I believed that because I did that, that then that set the stage for my continual enrollment in the program, and that by doing that, I was honoring and obeying God, but I was also shielding the enemy. Those things are true. But I don't want to just walk with God as a shield against the enemy or as, as if I better do this or I'm going to get in some rough, some rough ground. I want to be partnering where I'm sowing forward, where I'm philanthropic in my heart, where I 
have a foundation where I'm sowing ahead. That's what you want to do, and that's, that's what really God wants, and that's what the Tetheme and the, uh, um, and the uh, first fruits are. But this word for adoption that Paul basically coined um, spoke about being a son and fulfilling the Tetheme. And the way you continue to see that happen is you continue to go before the Father and make yourself available. Not just make yourself available, but you cry, Abba. You, you, you're not just saying it. You're, you're appealing from the depth of your spirit, out of the abundance of your heart. You are speaking that to God. Let me be this one that will fulfill to the nth degree what you have put within me to do and to be. And so the spirit of adoption is in the, in the midst of the rest of that chapter. You look at how many times it's talking about you being in the family and you being in an inheritance and you being in all these things. All of those speak to people who are already in the family of God. So the spirit of adoption by virtue of this word that Paul under the anointing of the spirit used was speaking about sonship. Not everybody in the family is crying Abba. Not everybody in the family is going before the Father. They didn't even recognize that the Father wants to know them, sadly. So many of them don't. And, um, you know, and I, I mentioned this uh, back in the day when God was beginning to draw us. In fact, the name of this church, the Father's Church, speaks of the Father's Ecclesia. Um, the only thing I thought about God when I was growing up was, you know, I was in right relationship with him through Jesus, and I thought, you know, he's going to tell Jesus when to blow the trumpet and come get us, and he's going to be checking the books. And if, if I need something, I go before the Father, and I sign that check in the name of Jesus, and if the Father doesn't see that signature by my word of mouth, he's not going to honor it. That's the way I thought, in just general terms. But the idea of, of which is spoken so many times about knowing the Father, passages where Jesus said, I've come to do the will of my Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Where Jesus said, I've come to bring you back to the Father, to redeem you to the Father. And all those passages in the middle of John where Jesus is praying in such a way where his disciples can hear the way he prayed, He's saying, Father, let them know you the way I knew you from the foundation of the world. I give them to you, Father, and let them be drawn to He says all that. It's all about knowing and walking with the Father. And that was a foreign concept to me. It just was. Now, I believed in the Spirit. I spoke in tongues. I had wonderful times in God. I sang and taught and led and was in church all the time. And, and I'm grateful for that. I'm not diminishing that. But I'm so grateful that one day God took us into something through his word and based upon his word that was broader than that wonderful foundation that I had known. And so this idea of adoption doesn't just mean you know, we were, we were lost in sin and Jesus took me in. You know, it doesn't just mean that you're born again. Paul spoke about that all through that chapter. But he then drills this spirit of adoption, which I can understand how the translators had a difficulty in 
saying what that was. I can, I can understand coming up with a word. For, how would you use, if you don't, again, these, these men were brilliant who, did, who made this translation. The anointing of the Spirit was on them. But there was not the ability to go with a computer and cross-reference all these words and terms. The only doctrinal positions they had were what came out of basically Catholicism. And um, so they didn't have all this. So you see this word that means son. It means son. And a word that is the application of tethemi. How would you translate that? How would, what word would you come up with? So the closest they could was adoption. But it doesn't really mean being brought in the family. It means having a spirit to fulfill the objective of the father, to fulfill as a son the objective of the family business, to fulfill all that you were gifted to be and to do. It's hard to come up with a word that describes that. But this is what this means. And I believe very firmly that in the day in which we're living, where God is leading his people, and, and in Romans, we, re we read it just right after that. It speaks about the progression of moving from, from coming into the family, into that place of being an heir and then being a joint heir. He continues the context of this. And... Um, you know, here in Ephesians 5, he speaks about this is a predestinated thing. And, you know, again, I remember being in seminary and having a lot of different discussions about predestination was a hot topic back then throughout Christendom. You know, are some people predestined to know God and others aren't? And then you bring in the son of perdition that it might fulfill Scripture and all of these things. And there was a large section of Christianity. I'm not saying the Assemblies of God, but a large section of Christ those other people, uh, you know, that, that believed that not everybody was able to come to the Lord. And then we would say, you know, how do you justify then that verse that says, you know, he is able to, to save such as come unto him. You know, anyone who comes to him, um, and, you know, so we would discuss that. But predestination, it, it, the, the concept of it in Scripture is what God wants to do, what he has proclaimed he wants to do from the foundation of the world, what his objectives are. And so when we are predestined unto the, this adoption of children by Jesus to himself, and, and I, have to, I have to say that, you know, when you just read that in English, it seems like he was, pre he was drawing children to him. So Jesus was drawing to himself. But if you look at the, what is the context here, it's talking about the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with heavenly places, in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He's talking about the Father. And so Jesus made this possible for us to be predestined and the adopted to the Father. I love that. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. It's, it's an incredible thing. And it's speaking about you. It's speaking about you. Every one of us as saints and sons are fulfilling. Do you realize as an intercessor 
that God is using you before his throne to partner with him from the things in this rapidly changing world as the end times are enveloping upon us and as darkness is covering the globe and gross darkness so much of the people, God is using you to partner with him as a son and as an intercessor to see this foundational plan of God brought about. It's not a time to think that Jesus is just sitting up there at the throne. His work is done. And he's just waiting for the Father to say, bring my children home. And that we aren't doing anything but waiting for the rapture. That is just ridiculousness. The Lord is, he is with us. He ever lives to make intercession. He is, he is moving in power. He's not just sitting up there in a divine lazy boy. But people preach that. You have the privilege of walking with him right now and in this crucial moment to lift your voice and let the spirit within call out to God the mysteries through unknown in tongues and diversities of tongues, the mysteries of God that they might be agreed upon in the presence of the angelic before the throne. You have that privilege and you also have that wonderful privilege to, to, to see God develop this list of tetheme that's in you, the, those capacities that when God knew you before the foundation of the world, he wrote your name on the palm of his hand, and he knew this time of all times would be the time for you to be born into this earth. He knew that. And he specifically put in you those things that would serve him in this hour. But you're, you're not just a baby in the church. You're not just somebody that bangs around and does your best every now and then. It's not just somebody that's just collecting attendance pins on their lapels. It's somebody that is saying, Father, let me be that son that you want me to be. And when I pray... I want to cry unto you sincerely from my heart, Abba, that I would fulfill those things that are most endearingly on your heart for this moment. That's what this spirit of adoption necessitates and brings about, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It is those things in the eternal purpose of God, the predestinated purpose of God, that he needs his sons to intercede and to serve and to prophetically obey. We're in that moment. And, you know, I have to be very honest with you about this. It, um, every season that God has had us in, every progression that he has led your and my development, his work amongst the saints, every one of those has had its own challenges. We're travailing in birth. We're, we're, we've, had, we've had scenarios uh, that have been wonderful, but it's placed a demand on your spirit. And how many times over those years have you thought, what in the world is going on in me? What is this? What, do I, what am I feeling? And, and it's just that kind of appeal before God. But I, I'm telling you, 
And, it, it, and this isn't just, you know, the latest, if I know anything, I've never felt anything. like. We've felt lots of things here. Praise be to God. We've, we've seen incredible demonstrations of God's miraculous power, and he is with us still. We continue to see it. But I don't remember feeling the... What's a word? Because I don't want to paint it badly because then people be praying for, oh, poor pastor. All of you are feeling this. There, there is an unction within us. There is a, a yearning in these new places that God's opening that you feel differently than the other points of development. You feel a sense of weightiness and responsibility, and you also feel a preparing for war unlike anything you've ever felt. And you feel that, you know, it's why I think it's why Paul says in, in Romans 8, he speaks about when you're really fulfilling this spirit of adoption, you're crying out a Father, you need to recognize that the antithesis of this is a spirit of fear. It's what Paul said. And you can feel, you can feel that fear that comes against the agape. I'm not trying to get too confusing here. But what I'm saying is that all of those things are being developed in the saints in this season. And you have to know that it's not that God's lost track of you or he's lost his mind, if anything. It's that he is more, he is more insistent upon the things that he wrote on the tables of your spirit. And he is pressing into them because he needs you to partner with him in those. And so you're expanding in a new ways, be it growing pains or whatever, but the accoutrements that are put in there are being developed in you. Christ is being formed in you in a new way. And it's wonderful, it's fulfilling, but it's also, uh, i got to watch my terms here, it doesn't, it doesn't feel real good for the moment. But it's God progressing, and you've got to keep pressing forward. You don't want to abort this. You want to keep moving forward because the wonderful things God is doing in this season and what he's going to do in welcoming this visitation of his spirit upon the earth that has been promised, it necessitates uh, you being more committed as an intercessor than you've ever been. And by that, I don't mean that you weren't committed before. I mean that there are more capacities within you that are online and functioning. And you've got you to gotta rightly judge that. Um, I, I, I think it's a wonderful thing. But um, the spirit of adoption, rather odd word. Now, the other three times it's used, it speaks of the way God used the, the the children of Abraham in the in throughout the Old Testament, and um, God God in the law did use people in conjunction with what He was doing in leading up to the time of grace. So we thank God for that. We learn lessons, if we will, from that. Uh, that you got to keep embracing Him and moving forward in Him. Um, but I'm grateful for this rather unusual word because it does speak to his saints in this hour that we are sons that have been created to fulfill the tethemi of our God within us 
and was predestined in us from the foundation of the world, and by which we as intercessors cry unto God, Abba, Father. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's just a wonderful thing. And I proclaim that over all of us. And um, you are essential to the plan of God. He loves you very much. And um, I'm, I'm so grateful to be amongst a people who are willing to let God do that, this remnant, as it were. I'm grateful for that. And um, I, I'm so thankful for our saints' family, who so many of them were able to come here um, a week and a half ago. And um, that, that wasn't just for that gathering. They continue to stand before the throne. I'm so grateful for that. Heavenly Father, you are such a wonderful God. You, only you could do these things. And we stand in awe of you. We stand <clears throat> with our hearts open. And we say, Father, <clears throat> we've heard your word. And we want you who search the hearts, who knows the mind of the Spirit, to see if there be anything in our conceptualization, anything in the way we think, anything in our deducements that form the direction that we pursue. If there's anything there that we keep us from fulfilling our our divinely ordained identity as a son, we ask that you will cleanse us and we ask that you will correct us. Um, we lay ourselves upon the rock and uh, I call forth a quickening of the Spirit of God within us that we would fulfill what you put in us to be and to do. And as that's in line, we welcome the anointing, we welcome the visitation of your spirit, we welcome the surrounding of your spirit, we welcome the walking in your spirit, we welcome the mantle of our individual identities that is empowered to as we represent what God's called us to be. We welcome all of those dimensions of your spirit, but let what's in us be right before you. And as again, I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago at the seminar. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Clean up our thought process. Clean up our perspectives. Clean up those agreements that we've made that chart the course of our life. And renew a righteous spirit within us. Let that be. And um, I bless our saints' family. I bless this precious congregation. And um, I thank you, Father, for your goodness. And even though we're going to be praying about it tonight, we speak blessing over the church and the churches in Brazil. We speak blessing over the uh, contiguous nations 
in South America that are already being impacted uh, by the passion for this truth and this calling. We ask your blessing upon the places where we'll be called to minister, and I proclaim a blessing over every member of the team that's going to be there, and I pronounce a blessing upon the foundation places from which these teams launch, including this one. Let us all be pleasing in your sight, Father. We thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being sons. We love you, Father. And we cry, Abba, Father, before you. And we do all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.